Hi, everybody. My name is Casey Lee, and this is me talking to people. Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, June 3rd at around 10 p.m. at night. Uh, now, again, all of you guys who have been following my podcast regularly know that you probably won't be hearing this for a couple weeks out. Um, but it's a really exciting time as a lot of things are coming out right now. Apple today uh, just had a keynote and they launched a lot of really well-anticipated devices. Um, I completely forgot the Apple keynote was actually today. I, I'm usually somebody who like gets no work done that day. I watch the keynote. Uh, and you know what? I, I worked throughout the day and I checked my phone and all of a sudden there are all these notifications on my phone about all the new products that Apple launched. Um, so very exciting stuff. Uh, of note is obviously the Mac Pro that just came out. Um, there's a lot of content creators and a lot of creatives, a lot of professionals who have been waiting for this modular Mac Pro as the last one was definitely a bit of a dis- disappointment in terms of configurability. This new one is pretty crazy. We're talking 1.5 terabytes of memory. We're talking, uh, I don't know, a lot of other specs that I can't rhyme off the top of my head, but really, really impressive stuff. Um, on the on the TV entertainment side, uh, Final Space uh, season two trailer just dropped. Really excited about that. If you haven't checked out this cartoon, this cartoon is amazing. Uh, the animation was done in Ottawa, Canada, so very exciting. Some hometown pride there. Really exciting stuff. So a lot of exciting things going on in the entertainment and tech industry, um, but there is obviously a big void. That has happened in the last couple of weeks, which is the lack of Game of Thrones. Uh, obviously, we have probably a lot of Game of Thrones watchers here. I myself with a Game of Thrones watcher. People, uh, you know, were watching this thing religiously for a couple of years, and now it's come to an end. There are huge amounts of fans that are super angry at the writers, uh, which is really crazy. All these petitions being signed. Um, all this craziness happening around the fact that Game of Thrones is done. Um, but there is one thing I want to point out about Game of Thrones right now which is if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go onto YouTube right now and Google Dan Weiss, Game of Thrones. Uh, Check it out. It's really crazy. So it's basically all these great guitarists. um, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine is there. Um, There's a couple others that I'm lacking off the top of my head, but really great guitarists. Fender put this together. And Dan Weiss himself, executive producer of Game of Thrones, turns out to be an excellent guitarist. Uh, They riff off and they play uh, Game of Thrones with a bunch of electric guitars. Uh, The theme, it's really, really something to see. So definitely check it out if you haven't seen that yet. So lots of exciting stuff, but that is not the most exciting part of my day. The most exciting part of my day is what is about to happen today and why we're here today. This podcast is called Casey Talks to People. So obviously I'm going to be talking to somebody and this is my first celebrity interview of sorts. Um, The person I'm I'm about to interview is definitely a celebrity in my mind. I've been watching his videos for the better part of maybe two or three years. I can't even remember how I started getting into his videos. Uh, I started following him, uh, you know, really, really interested. He taught me a lot. Uh, he, he's been apparently posting videos since 2009, started finding out all this great stuff about him. Uh, his videos have garnered over 14 million views. He has over 100,000 subscribers. He's taught me all these crazy concepts like the importance of analog versus digital limiters. Uh, he runs the website learnlightandsound.com. Uh, he does all this crazy stuff, super impressive, lots of great stuff. Um, and I am just so excited to talk to him because I love to know how someone this busy manages all the stuff and keeps up everything that he does. Not to mention, I read literally half an hour ago uh, that he also is a software product manager at times. So definitely interested to hear um, some stories there. Um, but again, this is somebody that I reached out to by email Uh, And he got back to me. He was gracious enough to get back to me. I literally met him 14 minutes ago for the first time. Um, So I'm super excited uh, to welcome Curtis Judd. Wow, Casey, that makes me sound pretty awesome. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You are pretty awesome, Curtis. You are pretty awesome. I mean, honestly, I, I very much respect that you 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 know gave the time to 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 talk to me today. Um, And I really want to kind of start on that because. You know, on YouTube, uh, and a lot of people make their living off YouTube, and a lot of YouTubers spend, you know, countless hours on that. But um, as we were talking just before we started recording, you seem to have these hints 
of all these other lives that you lead outside of YouTube. Um, so I'm curious, Curtis, I wonder if you can paint a picture a little bit for our audience. You know, what, I mean, besides YouTube, what are all the other things that you are doing with your life? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess probably the, the most time-consuming thing I do is I, I have a family. So my wife and daughter, my daughter just graduated from high school this last Friday. Um, congrats, and she's, congrats. Yeah, and she's getting ready to go to university. So that's 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 probably the biggest thing, of course. And then second to that, um, my day job. My day job, I am a product manager at a company called Navitaire, and we make software for airlines, so mostly reservation software and uh, some other other types of uh, applications that go around that as well. So during the day, 50% of my time is spent as a product manager for the API product for Navitaire. And then the other 50%, I do corporate video for the company as well. So that's where a lot of, like when, I, when I'm talking on YouTube and kind of referencing things that we had to do or we have done recently as far as video or audio production is concerned, it's usually referencing experiences there. And then every right. once in a while, I do some other things too. So we'll come back to that. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, I mean, please, please. I mean, you, you've alluded to being on film sets and being the sound yeah. mixer on film sets. Yeah. So, I mean, how do those? How often do those gigs come along, and how much of that time are you taking? Yeah. So that's probably five or six times a year. I'm also I hire myself out as a location sound mixer, um, and then also work on a variety of kind of passion projects with a couple. You know, with some of my friends. I have a friend who is a aspiring director. Another friend who is a DP. And uh, we've done a number of, of projects together uh, over the years. And so that's where I get a lot of the kind of, I guess, practical experience. So really, I guess I would consider myself as far as, you know, video production and, and audio production and post-production is concerned. I really consider myself an educator and a mm -hmm. part-time part-time professional. In that, right, right. In that realm. That's, so. th I mean, that that's amazing because, I mean, again, any one of those jobs is, you know, super full time. I mean, I, I, I don't even have kids yet and I find myself trying to balance, uh, you know, my day job and trying to do some filming and all this stuff. So it's amazing that you are you are juggling that much stuff. I mean, um, you know, do you do you see any one of those as I don't know. Do you see any one of those as your goal that you would like to make as your only job? Or do you kind of get satisfaction out of each, like having the multiple parts? Well, it's a good, it's a great question because it's, it's something that crosses my mind a lot lately. So obviously the, you know, I, I love software. I've, I've, uh, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and, you know, home computers became a thing then. And, you know, um, so I kind of grew up as a software nerd. And so for me, that's, kind of second nature and I enjoy what I do there and I work with a lot of great people. Um, and really, to be honest, the kind of the sound production and video production work all was really a hobby for a long, long time. And it was, um, it, it turned into like a part-time profession later. And so I, I don't know what it's like to be a full-time, uh, you know, content producer. I really, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd like it or not. I think I would. <laughs> right, <laughs> there, right, right. There are, there are days when I come home from work and I'm like, oh, I'd much rather be, you know, working <laughs> on the stuff I love. And, um, but I don't know what, you know, I've also experienced in, you know, kind of hearkening back to your question about, you know, how, do, how does, how do you manage your time? Um, there have been times when I was on the brink of burnout where I just felt like I need a break. And I, in fact, I think it was last fall, I took basically a three week break from, producing content. I just I just needed the time in the evenings to kind of just relax and and catch up on my life. And then also, um, you know, this whole uh, talk about Game of Thrones, I will, <laughs> this will be, this is a little embarrassing because I would love to have watched it, but I haven't watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. And I, you're, you're one of the few, one of the few. I know, I know. And it's, it's weird because I've, I've heard all the talk and the chatter and the, oh my gosh, there's a coffee cup in this scene. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Um, and all the, you know, the, the fight scene was so dark, I couldn't see anything, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I actually read the first book and I just haven't had time to do anything beyond that. So that's where some of the sacrifices come. Like I, I don't consume nearly as much content as I'd like to. And even, you know, in light of the fact that I'm kind of into video and audio production, it would make sense to kind of keep up on the world of content, you know, mm -hmm. that's out there. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I, what I find though is, uh, I mean, most content creators that I talk to or most people in the industry, are like, like it's more fun 
to create than to consume, you know? Um, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's almost like when you talk about like video game programmers, like video game programmers seem to like to create video games more than play video games, right? Do you find yourself, uh, I mean, you talk about it like a sacrifice, but is is it truly a sacrifice or is it really that you just enjoy it so much that you get caught up in it so much? Well, yeah, it's it is. I think you're right. It, it has some a lot to do with that. Getting and there is actually there's a very like a very serious satisfaction that comes with creating anything, whether that's code, whether that's you know some sort of short film, whatever it is. There's this amazing satisfaction that and and kind of fulfillment that comes with that that you can't get just by plopping down on the couch and watching you know some show. So. On the other hand, um, you know, I, I, I at some point I will <laughs> watch Game of Thrones, and I have, <laughs> I have my favorites. You know, and it's funny right now. Like when I, one of the things I, I really try to do is kind of keep up on exercise. I just find my my brain works better that way mm-hmm. if I do get regular exercise. And so, one of the things I'll do is, um, you know, I'll I'll stream something while I'm just doing a little, you know, running on a treadmill type thing. So. I do keep up a little bit, but Game of Thrones is just one I haven't yet. So there, right. there are some sacrifices, <laughs> but you're right. There's, there's, there is very much that sense of fulfillment that comes by creating. Fair enough, fair enough. I, uh, Curtis, I want to kind of go back to uh, your software job and kind of your corporate video work because um, what really blew my mind about that is uh, that's very similar to my background. Um, I mean, I... I actually went to school for software engineering, did an undergrad in software engineering, and then actually afterwards went to film school. And then very much my life has kind of bounced back and forth. But one of the things that really helped me get my start in corporate video was I was working for a software company who uh, was looking to kind of get some video work done and they knew I went to film school. So they started leveraging, uh, you know, my skills in that field. And that's really how my corporate video world kind of started. I'm curious, was it similar for you? Like, was was your software job kind of a gateway to corporate video for you or was yeah. it completely unrelated? No, spot on. I, I, a similar type thing. I didn't, I never went to film school, but um, I had developed my hobby in video production as a daytime, you know, software product manager. And at some point, you know, we had the, we have these annual customer conferences and the demand from the business to produce video content prior to that and in preparation for that and for, you know, videos will actually screen there at the customer conference just kind of went through the roof. And so um, people just started coming to me and saying, hey, can we do this? And finally, I went and talked to the CEO and he said, okay, yeah, fine. Officially, you are hereby our video guy. So... (laughs) Uh, so. No way. That's that's really crazy. So, I mean, but were you still expected to kind of keep up your product manager? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I actually, in a lot of ways, I really enjoy the kind of the diversity. And, and mm-hmm. that's, I think, the thing. If I, if I had to say I'm, a, I'm afraid of anything, it's that I'm afraid of doing the same thing every single day and completely and utterly burning out. That's the thing I'm probably the, the most scared of. Right, and and there are there you know there are a lot of YouTube creators, for example, that um, you know they go full time and they make a career out of it, and I, I, there's part of me in the back of my mind that thinks, dude, that'd be really cool to do that, but there's also part of me that's very scared to even try that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just like would I burn out? Would I would I just go crazy doing this? And would I be that guy that ends up coming back to the software company, you know, with the tail between my legs, like, and I have my job back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, it, it's weird, right? Because in the YouTube world, uh, you know, it's probably closer to kind of the artist lifestyle, right? Where there is this pressure to, yeah. you know, like release the next great album, release the next great video, you know, go viral and keep all that up, right? Um, there, There's a local YouTuber in Ottawa, Canada uh, that my wife watches a lot. And she has, uh, I think she's in the neighborhood of like 6 million subscribers doing really Ooh. well. Wow. But But she still maintains her government nine to five job. You know, I think uh, I think there's a reality in in terms of the potential fickleness and and potential pressure and you know burnout that happens with YouTubers, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, the the nice thing is, that in some respects, it leaves me an out. I don't think I'll ever. Well, who knows what the future will bring? But yeah. <laughs> uh, for yeah. me, it's still a massive. It's a it's a really great outlet for me. Like it's a it's a it's a great way to spend my evenings and weekends. I learn a ton, and I, that's I think one of the things I love doing. I love learning, and I love teaching, and you know, or or just sharing information for other people because it, there's just a lot of fulfillment in that. So for me, it's you know, uh, there's no there's nothing on the horizon that says okay, I'm going to quit the day job and going to do this full time. To be honest, and especially. If it comes to a conversation with my wife, that's definitely the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, you know, and there's this interesting kind of 
it, it's a it's a comfortable space, but it's also a really kind of a stressful space at the same time because there is, as part of having a, a you know a fairly engaged audience, you have to produce content on a regular basis. And my commitment to my audience has always been, okay, we'll do one a week on the main channel. I actually also have a secondary channel. I don't know if you knew that, but there's yeah, a secondary totally. channel. Yeah. So Curtis Judd Audio, which is more audio focused. Um, and that's a lot less scripted, so that one's a lot less stress. Like I can just do a, a live stream, and and uh, can I just call it at that? And but but that that can sometimes be a little stressful to kind of you know know in the back of my head all week long if I don't jump on it right on like Sunday night and have a plan for okay this is what we're going to do for the main channel this is what we're going to do for the second channel mm-hmm. I got to get the photograph ready to send off to the guy that makes my thumbnail so that he can have that ready in time for next weekend when I post. Um, I have to, if I'm going to bring any collaborators in, I have to have that planned ahead of time. Um, I've got to have kind of a plan for, okay, if I'm going to be doing a product review, um, am I feeling reasonably confident that this product review is going to pan out? Because I've had products just, there was one, in fact, I was reviewing a light, um, a lighting instrument. So I had worked through the entire review. I had the, the I, I kind of shoot it as a main storyline where mm. I sit down and kind of talk, you know, it's a talking headshot thing. And then I go back and shoot all the B-roll. And as I was shooting like the last 30 seconds of B-roll, poof, the ballast mm-hmm. just sort of blew up or it just did a meltdown of some sort, stopped working. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that kind of changes my perception of this light. What do I do now? <laughs> right, 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 right. So um, there are just a lot of things. And then, then in those cases, if something like that happens and I'm like, okay, well, I need to talk with the company and figure out, okay, did I do something wrong? Is it a defective mm-hmm. product? Is it something I need to, to point out as a con as far as my final review? And I have to have a backup plan. Okay, that's going to take time. So this is not going to be ready in time for my Sunday upload. What else do I do in the meantime? So I kind of have a backup plan as well. So it's it's fun and it's a, it's a real rush, but there are times when I'm like, my probably my wife is like, you need to relax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it gets a little stressful sometimes. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, there's, there's so much to dissect there, but uh, I mean, how much, I mean, how much time are you spending? I mean, I mean, is your job kind of a nine to five and then you're coming home and are you spending, you know, like, you know, three, four hours at night, every night? Like how, how much effort are you, are you throwing into, I mean, your two YouTube channels now, not to mention learnlightandsound.com and, you know, yeah. everything else that goes along with it. I mean, how much outside of your day job are you spending on all this extra stuff? Yeah, quite quite a lot. So I would say at least two hours a night, sometimes three to four. Um, and then on the weekends, if if things don't go smoothly in the evenings, then the weekends get consumed too. <laughs> so right, right. Um, you know, it's not. For example, I did a review a couple weeks ago of a new audio recorder from Zoom. The F6 um, called the F6. Yeah, and yeah. That's a that's an exciting recorder, actually. Oh, I know that is that's a yeah. Definitely I'm, exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, that whole 32-bit, like, not setting gain thing is really mind-blowing. It is. It is. And I and I didn't believe it. Like, when they told me that, I was like, ah, we'll see. You send me yeah, a demo yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. see. So, but anyway, that one ended up taking probably, I actually ended up spending the entire Saturday as well. So, I, I you know, I spent a couple to three hours every night of the week plus. So, yeah, I do have a nine-to-five job. And, mm-hmm. then, um, and then I ended up spending all of Saturday as well putting that together. And I think... Yeah, it may have even been part of Sunday as well. But it was, yeah, it, it was just a, that one was really fun. And that one was kind of, there are certain ones that I get really excited about. That one was super exciting because it does something really, it kind of changes the way that we record audio, which is mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I'm very curious though, uh, uh, Curtis, about, I mean, the pressure that you feel. Because, I mean, I think a lot of us, if you know, uh, we had a review to do and we're recording or whatever. And, and again, we had all these other competing priorities. Um, I think part, you know, a lot of us would say, you know what, I'll just, I'll push it off to next week. I just, I can't deliver this week or whatever. Um, especially when it comes to YouTube where it's not, it's not literally, a you know, your boss coming into your office and saying, I need this on my desk by Monday or whatever. Right. So I'm curious the, the pressure that you feel to kind of get these out and, and, and how do you deal with that? Or how do you look at that pressure? Oh, well, it, it, in some respects, you're right. You're right there because there's no boss saying, hey, you don't have to do this. But there becomes, when you have an audience that's engaged and that consists of 100,000 plus, 100, plus people, <laughs> then it yeah. almost feel, it feels like a boss sometimes. Um, and, I, and I understand. They're all understanding and they would understand that I'm a human being and that sometimes it's not going to work out. And there have been a few weeks when I had to miss. Um, but um, sometimes I just kind of fall on my face too. I, I'll be honest. I, I posted a video yesterday that just 
in terms of the thumbs up versus thumbs down ratio is the worst I've ever done, I think. Really? This yeah. was not the this wasn't the Insta 360 one, was it? It, it was, yeah. Oh, like, okay. Like and part of that is because it's kind of a little bit outside of my niche. Like I'm not really a camera reviewer. And so sure, yeah. and it's a product that's been out for a while and a ton of other big names have already reviewed it. So for me it was it, it, you know, my my take on it was kind of different too. I'm not really an action sports shooter kind of guy. Right, so right. So for me, it was kind of a behind the scenes, you know, I could use this to show you how I set up my lights. And I think yeah. a lot of people were just, like if somebody did a search on YouTube for Insta360 1X, this this 360 degree camera, if you're not familiar with it, yeah. um, a lot of people would be looking for this amazing footage that like, you know, this camera looks like it's flying by this guy that's dunking the basketball or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Instead, it's me sitting in my basement studio, walking around talking about, well, what this is, this is what this light does, and this is what this light does. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fair enough, fair enough. So it's it's funny. So, you know, that one was one where I, I think maybe there's a lesson in there for me on that one because I, I, I kind of rushed it. It wasn't as meaningful. It wasn't as kind of... Um, what I, what I really try to do when I when I post a video is, is have something of value for people to to learn something that's unique something that's a little bit different perspective perhaps mm-hmm. um, and 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 often oftentimes it's focused on audio production so that's really kind of my niche I there are a lot of guys that have channels and and women that have channels um, talking about visuals shooting yep. video so on and so forth and so I really kind of over time kind of gravitated a lot more towards sound and recording well, sound. So. Well, I'm curious how that came to be because, um, I mean, you're clearly, uh, I, I kind of use the term like full stack filmmaker where you, you can do it all, right? You can do shooting, you can do lighting, you can do sound. Um, and I, I noticed, yeah, in a lot of your recent videos, um, I mean, I know I know for, for a long time you've been focusing on sound, but you seem to be kind of addressing it to the audience recently where you're saying like, I, I guess I'm the sound guy, so I should review, you know, the F6 <laughs> and things like that. Um, so I'm curious how that was, that, was that kind of just a natural evolution that people were gravitating towards your sound tutorials and reviews? Or, or is it more your personal passion for sound? How did that come to be? I think it's a combination. So definitely I've found this passion over time. And the, the way I learned about sound really was I was I was a photographer before and then as the DSLR started getting video capabilities, I started shooting a little bit. But what really kind of got me started in sound is my brother is a musician and now a producer. Um, so he's, and he does even some engineering for uh, music. And he was the one that really kind of taught me how to do production sound, how to, mm-hmm. how to you know, make a good recording, so on and so forth, do, do a lot of the post-processing, so on and so forth. So um, I just found over time that I just, um, well, a couple of things. I realized that nothing ever, no video ever looks good if it doesn't also sound good. 100%, 100%. 100%. And that was kind of a revelation to me. And I also saw that there was kind of a dearth. There wasn't a lot of content about sound production on all these video making channels. And so, right. um, you know, and every once in a while they'll do a, you know, these are the microphones I use or a mic shootout or, you know, whatever. But they're they're also full stack creators. They do all of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they but most of them tend to really, really focus on camera and um, in some cases lighting. So for me, it just kind of, it became a natural fit. It just felt comfortable. I was really passionate about it. My audience came to kind of expect it and it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's in, in many ways, it's very much like, you know, agile software development and working, and when you have this relationship with your customers that are using your software, it, you know, once you develop this good relationship and you have this really, you know, this this kind of well-oiled process for writing the new software um, kind of nailed down, it becomes this really great collaboration. Not only if you're, say, for example, if you're if you're doing Scrum, where you're, you know, you have the Scrum team running really well, but you also have this great kind of feedback process with the customers, and you know, things just kind of naturally happen, and the product yeah. kind of kind of takes a direction that you may not have expected originally, um, but it's really really working well for you and the customers. So. It's it's amazing to hear a filmmaker toss out agile and scrum and everything. <laughs> it's that no, that's great, um, Curtis. I'm curious. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about this relationship with your audience then, and kind of going back to the to the pressure uh, that you feel. So, I mean, the pressure that you feel is, is it really then rooted in your your to your audience versus say growing your subscribers, upping your monetization, those kind of things. Like, is it really, is it less about making a career out of YouTube and more just the obligation you feel to your audience? Uh, well, I think it comes down to personal philosophy. And my philosophy is, is if I'm adding value, the, the money's going to come. Right. And, it, and, and generally it has. Um, there's, and there are certain things I'm not comfortable with yet. So, 
and may never be, I don't know, but there are some, um, you know, and there's also this kind of, this, this tug of war about this whole idea of being an ethical reviewer versus just pitching someone's products. And I don't right. ever want to find myself in the pitching other people's products category, yeah. clearly. Um, there are some that obviously I'm very excited about. And and frankly, you know, I'm, I'm also in this weird spot where I can't afford to buy all of the gear that I review. There's no way I mm-hmm. could, there's just no financial way I could make that happen. And so a lot of the gear comes as a donation from the manufacturer or it's lent to me from B&H or it's lent to me from... Um, you know, the manufacturer. So there's always this weirdness that comes along with that relationship that's a very, very fine line to walk. And so I've struggled over the years and I've struggled with different ways of doing it. I've even considered some like crowdsourcing ideas that I haven't haven't implemented yet. But but one of the challenges is if somebody gives you something, I'm very clear to make the, you know, kind of set up the relationship up front saying, hey, I'm happy to, to do this review. If I hate the product, yep. I, I'm going to contact you, and I'm going to, sh- and you're going to pay for shipping back to you because I, I don't want it. I don't want to keep it. I'm right. not going to review it. <laughs> so right. So yeah. forth. And and there have been some of those. Um, in fact, there was just one recently. Um, but in <laughs> who, any case, who will, re- who will rem- remain nameless? <laughs> uh, or or maybe not. I don't okay. know. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, but in any case, and and but there's part of me that says too. On the one hand. I don't want to waste the audience's time and talk about a crappy product that I had a horrible experience with. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, maybe I, I feel like, well, maybe they should know. Maybe they should know that this is not a good product and they shouldn't. They probably shouldn't spend their own money for it. Right. Um, but but now I've noticed that a lot of manufacturers, and I won't I won't agree to do this, but a lot of them are like, you can't say anything. You know, they'll have a contract and say you can't say anything bad about this. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Right, and I am also not giving them the opportunity to review my video before I post it because I think that that's where the ethics start to erode, and where I would lose the confidence of the audience. Like to me, that's that's way more important to have the confidence of the audience and to to operate above board so they know where I'm coming from yeah. and fully disclose when the product has been given to me. Um, I don't accept payment for any of the reviews, so I don't do paid reviews. Um, and so those are things where I think. There's a whole sort of spectrum of different creators out there that feel differently about all those different issues. Mm-hmm. And for me, the money is not so important that I'm willing to bend on some of those things. Like I'm not going to take payment for for a, and I'm using air quotes here, a review, because then it's not really a review. It's, it's right. basically a paid product placement. Um, and I won't, um, I'm not going to sign a contract that says I can't say anything negative about the product because if it sucks, it, it's, I think the audience needs to know that. You know? Well, it's it's interesting because I I feel uh, it was it was not too long ago, right? A couple of weeks ago that you did a whole video just on talking about products that you did not have a pleasant experience with, right? Right, right. And, and yeah. you're kind of addressing that, and and it is interesting how YouTube has kind of, I mean, among other social networks and and influencer platform platforms, um, what a hot topic this has become, right? Like uh, now, you know, the requirement that you have to say this is a paid sponsorship and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, the landscape has definitely really changed on that front. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk about, um, you know, you kind of, you know, standing your ground in terms of like, I, I would like to give valuable reviews that are unbiased. Um, you know, so has, has it been difficult at all for you to, to stay unbiased? Like, is there, is it tough when you when you get a product that you ultimately want to say something bad about it? Because I know my myself personally, I'm the kind of person who even when I don't like something, I don't love to publicly tell people that it's a bad thing, right? Has right. it been tough to kind of give those negative reviews at all? Or? It, yeah, it has. And, and, and honestly, um, uh, it, it depends on the product too. If it doesn't work, that's one thing. And that's, that's one. That's what we ran into. <laughs> I was actually collaborating with my friend Jacob Finn who is this amazing uh, DP and he actually does some directing, but he's mostly a color, a colorist. So he does mm-hmm. color grading. Um, but we were, he, he was in the market for, well, I won't say the product, never mind. but this is what <laughs> I will say. But we spent an entire day, literally um, 10 hours together, uh, trying to get this product to work. And it worked partially, but all these additional add-on kind of software features that we were most excited about, because this is a, this is a product category that has lots of other options, mm-hmm. um, they had some really unique software things that they had done with this. And we were excited about that, and we couldn't get the freaking app to work. And so 
Um, that was one where I felt like, okay, so you're charging all this extra money for all these software features that are really cool, but we can't even get the stupid app to work. And, and, and it was like, okay, we tried on his phone. We tried on my phone. We spent 10 hours doing this. And, um, you know, and I've seen plenty of other reviews of this product too. It's not, it's not a brand new product. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I was actually just fuming. I was angry. And I, <laughs> I wrote back to my contact at the company and said, look, um, we spent 10 hours getting this thing to work. The product's sitting here at my house. If you want it back, send me a label. I'm happy to take it to FedEx or UPS or whomever you want, but we're not going to review it. Right. Um, I just don't think it's worth my audience's time. So it's 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 hard. And, and that was one thing like Jacob spent, Jacob and I spent the last hour of our, you know, 10 hours together trying to figure out how are we going to approach this? Do we want to go ahead and do a review anyway and talk about the features that did work and then call out that, hey, we weren't able to get these to work? Um, because that was one of those situations where the, you know, the timelines were part of the factor as well, because I needed something to publish. And that's why I ended up publishing this, you know, Insta360 video this week instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually my backup plan. <laughs> and that's right. why it was a pretty <laughs> mediocre video, to be entirely honest. Right, right, um, right. And the, uh, the audience is happy to let me know that as well. But um, <laughs> in any case, so it's, it's one of those tough calls. Like, what do you do? Because I, I agree with you. I don't want to disparage some company. And maybe we just got a bad copy. And, you know, it was just so frustrating that we had spent 10 hours trying to get this thing working and it didn't. Am I better off? And, and what, I, what we agreed to, Jacob and I, is, is I, you know, I, did, I do like once a year, I'll do one of these reviews gear that didn't work out. And so I'll basically look over the last year and talk about reviews that I had been lined up to do, but the product just didn't work out. It didn't, it didn't work or right. it just, you know, something, something was not good about it. And I've just decided, okay, we'll just reserve this for that video. We're going to talk about it, but it's going to be short. We're going to keep it brief. We're going to talk about what didn't work and we're going to move on. And that's it. Um, and so that's that's kind of been the place I found to be kind of comfortable for me is I I still want the audience to be able to know hey every once in a while things happen that don't work out and these are the these are the products but I didn't want to create a you know a ten to fifteen minute video mm-hmm. just to say it's not good and you shouldn't buy it <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah no that and I think it's a smart I think it was a smart way to address it I think it was a smart way to go about it and I think uh, you know hopefully you got some positive responses on that so uh, you know the idea of you fuming is something I can't exactly picture but uh, I'll, t- I'll have to take your word for it it's, uh, a, quiet, right. it's a quiet fuming <laughs> yeah exactly we are here talking with Curtis Judd we are going to take a quick break to do some unpaid advertisements but we'll re- be right back to talk more with Curtis Judd And now for a segment we call Unpaid Advertisements. This is an independent podcast. We are not sponsored by any products or companies or anything like that. Uh, These are just products that I want to share with the world. So are you the kind of person who likes to have up-to-date news about all the latest and greatest tech? Are you interested in finding out how Casey Lee understands so much about the tech world so soon? Well, you can be in the know as well by just visiting a great website that has been in my daily browsing for probably the better part of 10 years now. That is the website called Engadget. So if you have not heard of this, first of all, I don't know where you've been. You're probably just not into tech at all. But if you're into tech and you haven't heard of this website before, go to Engadget.com. That's www.engadget.com for all your latest and greatest tech news. This is a blog or news site, if you will, that I've been following for years. I remember when I was first introduced to it by my friend Andrew, he sent me a link and I got addicted. I kept reading all the greatest, latest and greatest uh, tech news. Um, so definitely one of my go-to sites it is in my bookmarks I only have about five or six bookmarks and this is one of them because I read it every day so check it out engadget.com for your latest tech news www.engadget.com I love pizza and I love all types of pizza. You know, there's a lot of snooty pizza eaters who won't eat the big chains and they'll only go to the fanciest restaurants. I like all types of pizza. I like Domino's. I like pizza pizza. Um, You know, I like, again, a lot of the big chains. But every now and then I do feel like I need a little bit of a fancier pizza. You know, something maybe, uh, you know, wood oven burn pizza, a thin crust pizza. And my choice, if you're in the Ottawa, Canada area, is 
Anthony's. Definitely check out Anthony's. I've mentioned these guys before on the podcast. Um, they have two locations in Ottawa that are open Monday to Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 11.30 a.m. to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Again, that's two locations, 1218 Wellington Street, West Ottawa, Ontario, and 753 Bank Street, Ottawa, Ontario. If you're looking for a recommendation, I definitely recommend the Salsicia. Um, I believe that's only available at the Wellington location, but the Salsicia or Salsicia, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but it's the sausage pizza. It is delicious. I've been eating way too much Anthony's recently, but check it out. Anthony's on Wellington. And we are back here talking with, again, my first celebrity interview with Curtis Judd. Uh, he's a YouTuber. He's a software product manager. He's many, many talents in one. And we were talking about, you know, keeping bias, uh, bias reviews and kind of dealing with the tricky waters that you deal with when you're talking about, uh, you know, products that get sent to you. Curtis, I'd like to kind of back up a little bit and talk about, um, you know, kind of those major milestones in your YouTube career because... Um, you know, I, I'm kind of an amateur YouTuber, you know, post videos every now and then. And I always wonder um, what it's like when companies actually start reaching out to you and start sending you products and sending you products for review. I mean, stuff that, like you said, like maybe you can't afford and all of a sudden they send you something to review. And not to mention, I think one of maybe the coolest factors, um, at least it would be for my, my uh, in my opinion, is that you seem to now truly be an influencer in the sense that you are recommending features you're working with companies like zoom and deity i mean not directly and not paid but you're making suggestions and you're talking to the people mm -hmm. and they seem to be taking your your opinion very seriously um so i'm curious what those milestones feel like as you kind of went through the youtube uh you know journey well, of course, it's very flattering at first when one of the companies reach out to you. Um, <laughs> and that that's a dangerous point, too, because you have to decide how you're going to keep your distance. And some of them, it's easy. So, for example, one of one company that makes some great, great recorders that I love and own several of is Sound Devices. Mm -hmm. Sound Devices is a company that actually kind of provided gear for the professional market. So these are location sound mixers that are working on TV and film. And they've just started producing some that fall a little bit more in the consumer slash prosumer market. Yeah, um, like the uh, mixed pre-series, right? The mixed pre-series, exactly. Yeah. And so these guys, they're pretty. They don't. They don't operate the same way that a lot of consumer-oriented companies do. They don't give us free gear. Um, they've given me access to Paul Isaacs in some on a few several occasions. Um, we've done interviews with him at NAB. We've had phone calls in the past. Um, so that's really generous of them. Um, but they've never given me any free gear, and I actually in a lot of ways, really appreciate that because it puts me in a much better position to make a very clean, very, um, not unbiased, everyone's biased, of course, but um, but there's that there's not that bias of the company provided this for me, so I feel this obligation to make it seem better. You know, mm -hmm. I, make, I need to make it sound really good. So, yeah. so that's really good. And so I've never, never received free gear from them. I've never received free gear from Zoom. They've offered, um, but I've never actually, I said, no, that's fine. I, I've got it on pre-order. I'm going to buy it myself or whatever. Right. Um, so that, that's one thing. So, the, but then there's also, you know, there's also lighting companies that have sent me a lot of free gear. Um, I have received, you know, from one company just recently, I received over $3,000 worth of new lighting gear. Um, and in the past, they've already sent me probably another six or seven thousand dollars worth of gear. And are, are, is this is this gear like for you to review and send back, or literally keep? No, keep. Wow, Re that's review crazy. and keep. Um, and um, you know, part of it is because it's an Italian company, so it would cost sure. a lot to to ship it around. But fair, fair. Um, yeah, and it you know it's this it's this really interesting. There's again that's that kind of fine line. So it's it's flattering at first, but I think there's also it becomes quickly apparent that or oh, a couple things. First of all, my wife at one point said, "What are you going to do with all this gear that's sitting around? We don't have we don't have room to store it." And I'm like, yeah, 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 you're, yeah. you're right, you're right. And so if it's something I know I'm not going to use, typically what I'll do is I have a, a, a kind of an affiliate relationship with B and H Photo, and if it's something I can borrow from them, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. If it's something, again, that I feels like my audience would be interested in, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to want to keep anyway, I can sometimes contact the the manufacturer and say, hey, do you have a, a loaner I could get or, you know, to use to make a review? And we've done that in a number of circumstances as well. So that's a, that's another way I handle it. And that, that also feels, um, that feels a little cleaner in some ways too, um, you know, where I can just have a disclosure saying, hey, this is on loan from so-and-so. 
and I haven't been paid to make this review and then, and then just dive into it from there. So, right. Um, I also I, feel like there, there's also something um, that kind of occurs to me, and that is my background in product management in some ways kind of gives me this mindset of, hey, you know, there's there are very few really, really horrible products out there. I mean, there are. There are horrible products out there in some <laughs> cases, but but a lot of them, it's really sort of a matter of perception. Like if if we're talking about a $20 microphone, a $20 lavalier microphone, for example, there are a lot of people that that's not going to be a really good buy for, but there are some people it will be a pretty good option for. People that are on a super tight budget and they're they're using all their own relatively little discretionary money to to purchase these things. In that case, a $20 microphone might be a, just a, a, a fine thing to invest in. But for someone who is earning money, then it's not. So it's really, in a lot of ways, it's kind of, it becomes a matter of when I'm doing a review, it's not a, oh, this is a great product, you must buy it. It's more of a, who is this product really for? Who's who's going to find the most benefit from this product? And um, so in a lot of ways, I can I can approach it from that angle. And that makes things a lot more comfortable for me. And I think it's still very, very meaningful for, for the audience as well. Well, it's something I, I definitely respect about your reviews, Curtis. Like when I when I watch, um, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've watched your uh, F4, F8, you know, reviews and versus the mixed pre stuff. Mm-hmm. And I very much remember the video that you compare them. And the very first thing you say is like, I hate to tell you guys, there's no clear answer on which one's the better one. Yeah. It's really about, you know, what, what your use is, what your budget is, you know, what you find important versus what you don't find important. And, you know, I've, I've noticed that in general about your style of, of review in YouTube is, is you're very uh, informational. You're very much, look, here are the facts. Uh, you know, here is, you know, one thing I like over another and, but that may not be right for you. Um, it's almost, I liken it to, um, you know, like a good doctor who kind of informs their patient, but ultimately the decision is up to the patient for what they want to do. Right. Um, and I'm curious about that because it kind of leads me into my question about your style of YouTube. And, and one thing I really respect about your YouTube channel is it is rare to find stuff on YouTube that is not gimmicky, that is not clickbaity, that is not, you know, loud, kind of trying to get, you know, the next viral thing, um, that is so, you know, purely informative as uh, your style is. And I'm wondering how intentional is that versus that's just, you know, what you know, or that's how you know how to how to make videos, or that's how you know how to educate. That's that's a great question. I I think it's a it's a it's a matter of partly of personality. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not the uh, flamboyant uh, personality really. And and I think part of it I would attribute to when I was in graduate school. And here's another part of my life that not a lot of people know is I actually was in a, a doctoral program uh, studying family psychology. And right. <laughs> well, you know what I I didn't know that till I read your about page on learn light learn light and sound dot com. <laughs> And, and, you know, I had my, my major advisor was, um, this guy's name is Michael Rohrbach. He was, uh, he was kind of getting close to retirement. He had a great career. And that's, to a large extent, one of the reasons I chose him as my advisor is that I appreciated his style of, um, when I took my first class from him as an undergraduate, um, one of the things he, one of the assignments we had, which was sounded super simple and kind of like a throwaway assignment, but was extraordinarily difficult once you dove into it and tried to do it. And that was every week you had to come to class with what he called a good question. Hmm. And it wasn't just a question that you should be able to look up in a a book of facts, but it should be a really good thought-provoking question. And um, he would read through them. Actually, at the start of class, he would read through, and I became mortified at this point. He's going, oh my gosh, he's going to read my question in front of the class. But um, it was really a fascinating approach because not only would he read the good question, but he would always try to represent at least two different perspectives on an answer to that question. And I think I really kind of held to that in a lot of ways. And that was a really kind of a, a really an important formative uh, experience for me and also kind of guides how I approach product reviews in a lot of ways as well. Because it was, just seemed like a very balanced, hey, there's this perspective, but also consider this is a valid perspective as well. Right, and so I think that's really where a lot of that comes from in my yeah. experience. And again, I, I very much respect it. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't make my buying decisions easier, but uh, it's it's definitely <laughs> a very respectable way to do. It. Now, I'm I'm curious though because I will say this has only happened once in my memory where you seemed so enamored by a product that you actually like. I I, I very much 
was like tempted to comment on this and say, wow, Curtis, you actually have a firm opinion about this. And I think it was the the deity uh, on board, Mike, the D3. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. you seem to be full out like, this is the mic you should get. Like, forget about the video, the Rode Video Mic Pro Plus. Forget about uh, these, uh, like the Asdan. Forget about these other onboard mics. This is the one to get. Um, is that something you need to hold back? Because again, I almost feel like it's it's your emotional response coming out of that point where it's like, no, this is this is like such a good mic that you have to go after it. <laughs> that's a good question. You know, and that's funny because that was um, that interesting. That particular review of the Deity D3 Pro, it's a it's a camera top shotgun microphone. You can also convert it and put it on a boom pole if you needed mm-hmm. to. So it's a pretty versatile one for the audience that, that hasn't heard of it before. And the, the, the interesting thing is I don't specifically remember it that way, but you're probably right. And, and another interesting fact about that review is that's the first review I did after I took my three-week sabbatical. Oh, last, no way. last fall. So okay. it could be, it could be that I was just really refreshed and <laughs> delighted to be back, and it seemed like a really good mic. <laughs> right, right, right. That's... And I think I think that one in that particular case, because I do get those pointed questions all the time. Like the 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 question that that brings me the most grief, and I get these these in comments on YouTube all the time, is this mic or this mic. And that's the full context of the question. And right. it's, it's really hard to answer those things because I'm like, well, I don't really understand what you're shooting. I don't know. Are you going to have someone that's going to be operating sound or is it just one person with a camera and the mic needs to be mounted on the camera? You know, there's so many factors I don't know. Um, but I felt like this was one where I could take a pretty strong stand because it was flexible enough to be used in almost any circumstance. And so, and it, you know, price-wise, it's $200. And so it just seemed like a really, really good, they kind of nailed a wide market there that a lot of other microphone manufacturers have really struggled to do for a right. long, long time. Yeah, yeah so. definitely. Um, Curtis, I want to kind of get back to my other half of this question in terms of your milestones in YouTube. Um, you, you seem to be at a point now, again, where the big manufacturers are listening to your videos that you're putting out and, um, you know, they're they're probably reading your tweets. And again, you're, you're talking to these guys at NAB and kind of giving your opinion there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you... How does that feel? I mean, is is it is it pretty amazing to be in a position where you kind of built up your own success by creating these education, these uh, educational videos, these reviews, and all this stuff to the point where, again, these manufacturers like sound devices, like Zoom, are actually listening to your input, or 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 am, is is that even you know is that is that real? Am I am I misinterpreting that? No, it's it's an interesting uh, situation. So it, it's a it's um. It's interesting because I have to maintain some level of distance. I can't, I can't be too too much of a buddy with them. So I can't, mm. uh, you know. Otherwise, I feel like I'm betraying my audience if I do that to some extent. Right. Um, so it's interesting. So for example, Sennheiser is a is a great example of a company that I have a lot of respect for their products. I think they make some products that don't make a lot of sense to me, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, and I and I think, but there's also this interesting relationship. They've never sent me any free gear, um, but what they did do is they had a product workshop uh, a couple of years ago, and they flew me out to Wiedemark, Germany, where their headquarters are, mm-hmm. and I spent a couple of days with them, kind of doing some brainstorming about product development. You know, new potential products that would make sense, and um, you know, at the same time though, I've reviewed some of their products, and I'm like. Eh, I'm not such a you know a huge fan of this particular one. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because you ha- you know it's it it takes a certain level, and not to say that I'm necessarily there yet, but I think it takes a, a certain level of maturity, both on the part of the company and on the part of the person that's doing the reviews, to be able to say, hey, um, there there's a problem with this product, and I and I can't like unequivocally endorse it because of that problem. And I think another good example of that just recently was Deity. Uh, released their new uh, wireless microphone system called the Connect. Yeah, and, yeah. And the interesting thing about that is it's a, it's, a, it's really it's it's a cool product from the standpoint that you get one receiver and two different transmitters. So you can actually mic two different people, send out audio to one transmitter, and then feed that directly into your camera or an audio recorder. There aren't a lot of those out there for less than a thousand dollars, and this is one that comes in at somewhere around six hundred and or six hundred seven hundred dollars, somewhere in that right range. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of hype leading up to it. Like this company showed up basically about two years ago, well, actually not even that, like a year and a half ago, and just 
they were kind of a spinoff from another company that made mostly lighting gear. And um, they really appeal to the YouTube audience. They really appeal to the passion filmmakers as opposed to the pros. Um, although they're starting to get some some attention from some of the pros as well. But anyway, this product came out, big splash. And then I felt like my review came out a couple weeks later and it was kind of like, well, it's pretty good, but there are some problems. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure where I stand with them. You know, mm-hmm. because before, you know, I'm, I'm friends with D, uh, Andrew at Deity, who's kind of the kind of the main face, and I met Steve, who's the kind of the social media guy there. Yeah. Um, I think they'll still work with me. I think they'll still, but basically, in my review, I said it has a great set of features, it has great potential, but it produces too much self noise at this point for, right, for my right. liking. I mean, um, it is it it is an interesting company because uh, I mean, you know, in some of the interviews I've watched that you've done with them, and and even th- their presence on social media, they seem to have this kind of startup vibe. And yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's interesting how many prototypes they show before release, right? And and they're like, okay, like uh, what was it? Their their podcast mic, right? They're yeah. kind of concept yeah. where said, okay, this is our flagship. It's got everything that we can put into it, but. What do you guys really want out of it, right? Yeah. Um, do, do you find uh, that's true of Deity, that they're kind of like a small star? I mean, because, I mean, again, like you said, they, they were part of Aperture at one point, right? And they just kind of right. spun off. Yeah. Um, do you find it's a very different mentality? Because Sennheiser's kind of been around for a long time, right? And they've kind of been the big, you know, the big sound, big company, right? Whereas Deity yeah. seems like this kind of small, almost like Skunk Works kind of uh, startup, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, it's a kind of a similar pattern you see in the software world. You see that basically in the entire business world where when a company gets to a certain size, and I don't know if that if you want to measure that in terms of market capitalization or if you want to yeah, measure it yeah. in terms of employees, however you want to measure it. But certainly when you get to a certain size in terms of the number of employees, it's really the, the decision-making process becomes pretty difficult for most companies. Like they have a, they have a hard time pivoting and that's where a startup can pivot really fast. Like that, that's the thing about Deity and, and even Aperture is that they're they're kind of they play uh, pretty you know loose and wild <laughs> with, yeah, with yeah. their product announcements. Like they'll they'll announce something like Aperture announced that their RGB panel light uh, over a year ago and it's still not shipping yet. And they're still right, and, and actually right. this just last year at NAB they introduced a whole new bunch of new features for it, so on and so forth. So same thing with Deity. And I think. It is. It's definitely operating more like a startup. But the thing that's really cool about that is that they're also much more open to ideas. So, for example, one of the things I told them was, and I told Andrew some time ago, is that you guys really need a small diaphragm condenser mic that you can put on a boom pole for indoor use, not a shotgun mm-hmm. microphone. Um, and that's one of the things they announced at the yeah. at NAB. So. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see when it actually ships, <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah. how it works, and you know what what they did. But well, well, talking even about cool. being loose with their announcements, I remember seeing I think a tweet from them about that mic, and mm-hmm. it was just like kind of like pre NAB. It was just kind of on a table, and like yeah. no other like there wasn't a product page for it. There wasn't. I was like, what is this mic? Is it is it an indoor mic? What's going on here? Right. So right. It's a uh, it's very interesting to see that company uh, and what it's been doing recently. So. For sure, it's a, and it's exciting to see that. It's, it's exciting to see a company that is in a position where they can seriously, seriously innovate, or you know, yep. they can really. And even if the innovation is just providing a a technology that already exists at a much lower price point, that's yep. great too. But and that's that really seems to be what they're doing. Well, I think I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I I I mean, I literally have it written in my questions for you, but th- that it is an exciting time to be in the prosumer market for sound right now because you know Deity seems to be pushing Road to also introduce some really innovative stuff, like mm-hmm. you know the Wireless Go definitely has me excited, you know things like that. So, and then yeah. I love how I love how Zoom seemed to put pressure on sound devices to introduce kind of like a prosumer uh, mixer, right? So definitely. Right. Definitely a lot of exciting things there. Uh, Curtis, uh, you know, talking about milestones and talking about, you know, going from, you know, companies that ship you products and then going to a point where you're having conversations with these people and, and you know, making suggestions that they actually listen to. Uh, I'm curious about, you know, the next milestones. I mean, I'm seeing your videos these days. Uh, it seems like you've upped your game on your, on your motion graphics. It seems like you've upped your game on your thumbnails. Uh, you know, you seem to be, you know, doing more and more on this. Uh, so you, you, you're showing no signs of slowing down, quite the opposite. So I'm curious for you, you know, what are those next milestones for you? Um, maybe in YouTube, but also in, you know, in, in, your, in your, sound, your sound mixing life, your corporate video life, your software life, all these things. Yeah, it, I, it's a good question, and I and there are a lot of things I haven't answered as questions for myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, you know, it's interesting because it feels like there is definitely, you know, you have to up your game all the time. And, and that's part of why I'm in it. I, I really enjoy producing better quality all the time. And, and, and by better quality, I don't mean just better quality in terms of, you know, better motion graphics or blah, 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 whatever. But I'm actually talking about, you know, providing this really good value to the audience that, you know, things that they can walk away with and, and think about and things about, you know, that whole question of, well, should I buy this microphone or that microphone? Um, really sort of arming the the audience with the information they need to help them make that decision for themselves is really what I'm trying to do. And so I there are there are times I have thought a lot about the possibility of maybe taking my um, and maybe I should be careful if I don't think anyone at work is listening to this, <laughs> but in case they are, um, you know, I've actually, you know, tossed around the idea, maybe I go part time on my day job and, mm-hmm. you know, invest a little bit more time. One thing I've definitely done. So you, you've talked about the motion graphics and the thumbnails. I am a horrible designer. I, I like graphic design, not my thing. Don't really have the patience for it. Don't have the time for it. I appreciate it. I appreciate good design, graphic design, but I just don't have it in me to do it. And I just don't, definitely don't have the time. So what I did in that case is one of my audience members contacted me and said, hey, I do some, you know, I do some graphic design and mm-hmm. I think you could have much better thumbnails. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're hired. And so... Um, anyway, so he actually, there's a guy, his name is Kasper Markowitz. He's in Poland Mm -hmm. and, um, I, he's the one that does all my thumbnails for the last year or so. And so that's really helped. And I think that's another, uh, probably another milestone. One of the things we tried as well is we tried having him do the, the editing for me, but we ran into some kind of technical barriers that made that difficult. Um, just in terms of getting the footage to him and getting the turnaround in a reasonable amount of time, because he's got a day job too. So right, right. Um, there's definitely some challenges there. But I think on for me, one of the big next milestones is getting someone that can I can hire to help out with some of those things that where I can be focused a little bit more on digging into the products, producing the original you know footage, and then just getting that over to the editor to take care of that for me. So that's probably the next big milestone that I see coming up. How much, uh, I mean, how much thought do you put into that, that future planning of your YouTube channel? I mean, do you, do you, I mean, your YouTube channel, do you take it, you know, kind of a week at a time? Do you have like, you know, uh, a whiteboard where you have your next 16 ideas or, I mean, are you planning for like the next five years? This is where I want to be with the channel. I mean, how, how much thinking and, and thought process do you put into that? I think we're probably thinking about a year out is, is wow. more, more where we're at. And it, and it's not, um, you know, it's not all set in stone, of course. There's no long-term planning, if you can call that long-term planning. <laughs> That's no, pretty no long-term. Term. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it's pretty rough at that point. And, and I, and actually, so my, my I actually have a, uh, this setup is a business entity. So I'm a, it's a limited liability company mm-hmm. and I'm the 95% shareholder. And then I have my friend, my longtime friend, who actually also works at Navitaire, who is a 5% stakeholder or shareholder. Um, and he and I sit down and we do the, the brainstorming periodically. And so um, I would say, yeah, we're probably about a, a year out in terms of things to do. And he has some really great ideas, but we're in a point, in a position where we have to, I probably need to get that editor going first before we can pursue a lot of the other ideas he's talking about. So he's talking about setting up additional verticals. Um, so, you know, right now, again, I focus mainly on sound for video and he's talking about, you know, some other verticals that we could potentially pursue where he mm-hmm. would have some, you know, he, he would be able to create some of the content and perhaps, you know, change the share structure and, and things of that nature. But that's going to require more time from both of us. Yeah, and we, and we probably need to have some employees in place or at least some contractors that could do a lot of the things that we're, you know, mostly that I'm doing at this point, like the editing of the videos and things of that nature. So there's, yeah, I would say a year out, we have a lot of kind of, high in the sky ideas mm-hmm. um, but but we also have some lines drawn to the things that we know we need to do shorter term than that to make any of those possible and right. getting those in place first will be the first first trick great listen Curtis we we are definitely running out of time here but I want to ask you um, one last question um, and you know I think there's a lot of people who know you from YouTube and who who get you know incredible information from you um, you know, they watch your reviews, they, they're looking for the latest microphone, they're looking for, you know, the latest mixer, uh, whatever it be. Um, but I'm sure there is a percentage of your viewers who look up to you and who, you know, want to do the kinds of things that you're doing. Um, you know, whether that be uh, in the YouTube space, whether that be in mixing, whatever. Um, I'd like to concentrate this question maybe more on the YouTube space. Uh, you've been doing this at least since 2009. I, I looked up your first video there. And... Um, 
I'm curious, I mean, you've built a steady audience, you know, by being true to yourself, uh, by keeping unbiased reviews. Um, I'm wondering if you have any general pieces of advice for people, you know, who want to get into YouTube and, and kind of achieve, you know, the kinds of successes that you have. Yeah, um, well, that, that is a, a, an interesting question. And I have perhaps a different approach than a lot of other YouTube creators do, at least in, in this particular space of filmmaking. Um, I, I've actually been on a very slow growth kind of plan. And I think, you know, if I, if I sit here and, and glibly say <laughs> in retrospect, <laughs> that was all by plan. It really wasn't. But I, but I think it comes down to my, my goal has always been I, I, I don't want to measure my success strictly based on the number of subscribers I have. But for me, that's a kind of a proxy metric that indicates in my particular case, because I'm not doing, I generally avoid, I try to avoid any sort of clickbait type of titles. I don't have goofy thumbnails that have me, you know, with a goofy face on the front. Like, <laughs> is is it any good? Um, you know, those kind of things. So I'm not really trying to appeal to that part of the seg, you know, that part of the market. I'm not right. I'm not trying to, to I, I don't ever really want um, a viral video. I'm not, that's not my goal. Right. My goal is really to provide value. And if I provide consistent value, my take is I'll get an audience that is definitely more engaged and more committed to the actual topic. And so that's really my goal. So that's a, you know, that's a long time. And I didn't really start posting regularly until about 2013. But 2013 to 2019, that's six years. Mm-hmm. And it took that long to, to, to build an audience of over 100,000 people. So there are plenty of channels that have started much, much more recently than that. And grown much more quickly, um, and so uh, you know it's kind of a different approach. The second thing that kind of underscores that, and I'm, I'm I definitely have your question in my mind still. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I'm getting <laughs> no worries, there. No worries, no um, worries. But part of it too is that my audience is a little bit different than some of the other audiences. So if you think of someone like a Peter McKinnon, who is extraordinarily entertaining, he has this great kind of magnetic personality, um, but his videos have has kind of turned into to to a large extent kind of edutainment from my point mm-hmm. of view kind of, kind of vloggy edutainment kind of things and that's that's perfectly legitimate i'm not criticizing that um but what's different probably if i had to guess about his audience versus my audience a my audience is older i think like age-wise they're older people mm-hmm. um and i think that that's really kind of based on my personality and i myself am a little bit older <laughs> than yeah, yeah, than yeah. some of the other creators out there so i think really to me and this, this is going to sound, I, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but if I'm trying to monetize the value that I'm providing to my audience, frankly, I want an older audience because they have more discretionary income right. and they can see things a little bit differently than the kid who's like, oh, is the purple panda lavalier microphone the best mic out there? And I'm like, well, you know, if you if you only have 20 bucks, yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> but, yeah, right, right. But, but if you're, you know, you're doing this as a serious hobby and you're willing to spend more money, and you might even be doing this a little bit on the professional side, part-time or whatever, then, um, you know, it's that's kind of the audience I'm, I'm catering to a little bit more. So if we actually look at the analytics for my YouTube channel, I talked with, they have these kind of, once you get to a certain amount of subscribers, YouTube actually gives kind of assigns you someone that can kind of advise you. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wow, Curtis, your audience is really different. Like your audience is way older than most of the other big channels. Interesting. Um, so that's another thing that I'm really kind of, I have in mind who I'm trying to provide value for. That's a that's a really important thing too, is from a standpoint of when you start a channel, if you're trying to just get a certain number of subscribers, I think you're going to have a hard time doing that um, mm-hmm. and sustaining that. If your goal instead is to provide value and make it a, you know, make it a business perhaps that is sustainable then you're going to look at it a little bit differently. You're going to know in your mind who your audience is and you're going to cater to them. And that'll really kind of drive your strategy. So for me, for example, a lot of the big channels, their monetization strategy is largely about advertising revenue from YouTube. Mm-hmm. In my case, that's this, probably the smallest portion of my, of my overall revenue. And I'm fine with that. I, that's how I'd like to keep it. Um, right. For me, it's like selling my courses is probably the biggest source of my revenue stream. So that's how I want it. I want I want to provide a, a channel that provides value to my audience, and then if they feel like they want even more information and more value, they can come to my website and buy one of my courses. So that's kind of my approach to it. And so my advice is: be honest. Don't don't start a channel f- 
focusing on something you're not all that interested in and don't necessarily have as a goal a certain number of subscribers. Instead, provide value and focus on something you're passionate about. That's great advice, Curtis. Great advice. Curtis, this has been a absolute absolute pleasure for me. Uh, like I said, you are my first celebrity of sorts that I've, I've interviewed. Um, you know, there's definitely multiple times in my life throughout my professional career uh, where I've had chances to do things, but never a chance where I actually reached out to someone I'm a fan of and they actually responded back. So um, very, very appreciative of all the time uh, that you've taken tonight to talk to me. Uh, I also really want to uh, just give a shout out to your channel and, and how, uh, how much respect I have for what you do. Uh, again, I, I do watch a lot of the clickbaity stuff. I do watch a lot of loud stuff. And like you said, I mean, it's not like any less legitimate, but it is very uh, refreshing every now and then to come across a channel and you're watching it and you're not, you're like, this doesn't have the characteristics of usually something that is that is coming through the YouTube algorithm at the top of the trending or whatever, but you're still super engaged and you find yourself watching again, a 20, 30 minute setup video on, you know, the mix pre, you know, you, you just lose the time. Right. So, uh, Curtis, uh, do you have any, any last words before we end off this podcast? No, I just want to say to you, Casey, thanks so much for doing your podcast. Your podcast is fascinating. I had, I confess I had never heard of it until you emailed me. Um, but what I really like is, uh, the kind of the way you engage your, your, your guests on the, the podcast. It makes it really interesting in terms of intelligent questions that that are thought-provoking so keep it up i think there's a lot of value here very very much appreciate that we we do have a small growing audience and uh you know if i'll take your advice and stick to my guns and and know who i'm providing value to hopefully it'll grow so thank you so much curtis i uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us uh if you are listening and you have no idea what me and curtis have been talking about for the last hour definitely google uh curtis judd uh, check out learn uh learn light and sound.com check out his youtube channel there's amazing amazing content there uh really great stuff great style you know you've heard of, you heard a lot about it over the last hour definitely check out uh, his stuff if you have any questions comments or concerns you can email me at casey.lee at gmail.com that's c-a-s-e-y dot l-i at gmail.com or you can send me a tweet at caseylee23 uh, you can also visit our official website at www.caseylee.com slash podcast casey talks to people is currently hosted on anchor fm and is distributed to all your favorite platforms including apple Podcasts, overcast spotify and wherever you uh, listen to find podcasts don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews if you can and something that i have not been mentioning in previous episodes is if you go to our website you can actually leave a voice message and i may even play it on the air who knows don't forget to check out speechless from the aladdin soundtrack it is a great track but that's it for now episode 11 on june 3rd 2019 this has been casey talks to people big thanks to curtis judd check out his youtube channel check out everything that he does this has been casey lee we'll see you guys in the next one